Amen. Shall we pray together? Faithful one, as we turn to your word now, we ask that you'd speak to our hearts. Faithful one, show us more of you. Show us more of your goodness. Take us deeper into our relationship and love for you. And help us to realise what you're calling us to do and be in this world. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, It's really interesting. It's just so lovely to hear some of the things shared this morning. We're going to be looking at Psalm 73, by the way. If you've got Bibles, you want to dig them out. It's quite a long psalm, um, but it is just amazing. The more... We dig into the Psalms, the more I dig into the Psalms, the more I'm just like, wow, there is so much here. And I hope this morning God's really going to speak to us. But I, I must start um, by just saying how lovely it is to hear what was said in our time of worship. Um, I want to share a sense, and I prepared this before that happened, um, that God's up to something among us as a fellowship, something lovely. Um, a calling deeper to each one of us. Um, I wouldn't often say that or ordinarily say that. I just sense that's what Father God's up to and I had the sense that he's calling us from head knowledge, which is so good, to heart knowledge, to a deeper relationship with him. And it was something that Jenny brought there this morning and this idea that he wants to shower down blessing but could we put down our umbrellas, please? Um, I think it's so lovely. I wonder, have you got an umbrella up at the moment? Will you be brave enough to take it down? It's not just for me, it's not just for some, it's not just for the person next to you. I sense Father God's calling all of us deeper, deeper into trust, deeper into relationship with him, an understanding of more of his spirit, his love at work within us, empowering us, to bear fruit in this world, to show his love and his compassion to others as well. I believe it's a season where as we praise him, as we push into praise and declaring how good he is, we will see breakthrough um, and we will see him at work in ways we hadn't expected and ways um, that we hadn't seen before and that will be for us as individuals and as we uh, seek to share him with our communities and families and friends. And may I say, I want to come to church every Sunday where somebody says, uh, for all the years I've known him, 80 to be precise, uh, I would like to say how faithful he's been and then to say I commend him to all uh, with a problem or in need. I commend Jesus to you. Um, thank you. And we take that recommendation, May. Um, thank you for sharing as you did. Right. I'll stop getting choked up there. That was quite moving for me. Um, <laughs> let's, let's talk about something uh, banal for a moment. Here you go. Uh, who's got one of these? Yeah. Um, who thinks they're, in general, quite good and quite useful for all sorts of things, right? Yeah? Oh, no, no. We don't like those. What is it? What even is that? Some form of computer? No, this is a mobile phone. Um, who has ever looked at one of these in disgust and confusion and felt like throwing it across the room because it won't do what you want it to do? Yeah. And who's then had a young person, often a young person, or a clever clogs, come up to you and go, oh, that, oh, yeah, there you go. 
Yeah, yeah. Sometimes um, we can get really frustrated with things because we're looking at it all wrong. We've not got the full picture. Um, one of the joys about being a dad, I know I talk lots about my kids. You'll have to forgive me. I love them. It's good. Um, they're awesome. Lovely little kiddies. And Harry's the little three-year-old uh, with the blondie hair. And sometimes I hear him crying and shouting. And I'm like, what on earth's gone on? Something dreadful must have happened. Rush into the room. And there he is on his wooden trike and the back wheels got caught on the sofa, and he's trying to go forward, but it won't go. And he's crying, and he's shouting, and he's really upset. And I say, hey, 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 stop, come. Look, just reverse up a little bit, move that way, and off you go. And literally the noise is, oh, well, hey, and then off he goes. Just seeing it a bit different, so frustrated, so upset, feeling like throwing it all in, this doesn't work. And yet, just with a slightly different view when he sees the full picture, he's able to go on his way. My son Archie, who is the oldest one, he is 11. 11? Almost, yeah, 11 in... Uh, <laughs> August. The 27th. I'm a good dad, honest. <gasps> Never try and remember your kids' birthdays on stage. That's a note from a diary. Um, <laughs> August 27th, yes, 10, coming on 11. Um, he's decided to, to learn baking, nothing to do with us, it's brilliant. And he was making, trying to make bread at my, uh, my parents', his grandparents' house. And for like three, four goes or something, maybe two or three goes, he kept trying to make this loaf of bread. He followed the recipe and it would not work. He needed it, he made it work, he soaked the yeast, he added it all together, he, he proved it and it just came out, looked brilliant, but it was flat and it was hard and it was horrible. And he was really feeling frustrated, wasn't doing anything wrong. Um, and after about the third time or something, I said, hang on, let's have a think about this, what you're doing. And we worked it through and we realised that he was following the wrong recipe. The yeast he was using was instant yeast and he was soaking it like it was traditional yeast and apparently that's a difference. And as soon as he switched over and I said, why don't you try this one, this way, he made the most beautiful bread you've ever seen. He needed it and he did all the right things and it rose and it was brilliant. He got to the stage of feeling, well, I'll keep going, but this just isn't working. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. It's not supposed to be like this. But with one change of perspective, with one more piece of truth and a fuller picture, he was able actually to succeed and he didn't need to give up and it began to make sense for each of us I think our understanding of God sometimes can feel like we want to give up I don't get it God what are you up to I don't understand I feel disheartened things don't seem fair this can't be right and I just want to suggest that it is so often in those moments that we've got our perspective wrong we've missed the bigger picture we've missed the clarity that God wants to show us the truth that he wants to show us. And this morning, this psalm, Psalm 73, is the most brilliantly honest moment in the psalmist's life where he's saying, do you know what? I got it all wrong because my perspective was so wrong about God. My foot almost slipped. I almost jacked it all in and went, I've given up in frustration and despair. He begins by declaring those words um, that, that uh, Peter read at the beginning, Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart, but for him this was head knowledge. There's that head knowledge, heart knowledge thing. He kind of knew it was true about God. He's good to those who love him. And yet for him, he just can't believe that this is true at all. When he looks around the world, he struggles to see the so-called goodness of God 
to the faithful. Um, But as for me, he says, my foot almost slipped. I'd nearly lost my foothold. I'd nearly lost my trust. I'd nearly given up in frustration and walked away. Why? Because he was looking towards the arrogant and the wicked and he began to see their prosperity and he began to envy them. He turned his gaze towards them and what seemed to be the reward they were getting for selfish and wicked living and his foot almost slipped. None of this made sense to him. One of the biggest questions we ask is the question of evil. Why does bad things, why do bad things happen to good people? Here he's asking the other question as well. Why does it seem that really good things happen to folks that are clearly not behaving good? Why does the arrogant bully get away with so much? Why does the dictator have power to crush and kill innocent people with impunity? Why does the liar get listened to and his wealth seem to only grow? What's wrong with this world? Where is God in all of this? He points to certain folk and he says, look, and he reels this list. It seems like they've got no struggles. They're healthy and strong. They wear pride like a necklace. You know, they don't even pretend to be nice or to care. They surround themselves with such violence and cause such violence. It's like they're wearing it like clothing, like they're showing off about it. Their imagination to do evil just seems to have no limits, he says. They're arrogant, they threaten those who stand against them, they oppress people, they scoff, they speak cruelly, they act like gods. And worse than all of this is that people seem to come to them and lap it up. Instead of being disgusted by it, people seem to come and drink the water that they are offering, he says. Look at my power, they say. Look at my success, they seem to say. Come and offer me servitude and come and tell me how great I am. Come and drink my waters and people do. Why? Because it takes a strong kind of person to stand up against injustice and power and violence. It really does. And sadly, verse 11 tells us people turn to them and drink up waters in abundance. Psalmist says, God's good to those who follow him. I don't see this. The poor, the vulnerable are suffering. Injustice and pain, the rich seem to be lording it over all. And we might think the same in today's world. Violent dictators bombing hospitals, dropping chemicals on their own people with seeming immunity or impunity. People trafficking fellow people for money and forcing them into the sex trade. The very richest in the city is only getting richer and richer and richer while more and more people than ever before are in debt or using food banks because of poverty. Loving, devoted Christians all over the world being oppressed and killed and persecuted for their faith. It might seem the same to us as it felt to the psalmist. What's going on here is God out to lunch, says the message. Nobody's tending the store. I've been stupid to play by the games. Where has it gotten me? A long run of bad luck, that's what, and a slap in the face every time I walk out the door. The psalmist is saying, I've done all I can to be right in this life, and still it feels like it's made no difference. It doesn't feel fair, it doesn't feel just. There is a cry inside of him for justice. This is unjust. God, where are you? I want to chuck this all in. Envy and self-pity have taken over. My lot is dreadful too, God. And I've tried my best. You know, after all my efforts, it feels like the psalmist is saying, God owes me something, doesn't he? Surely in vain I've kept my heart pure and I've washed my hands in innocence. My foot almost slipped and yet at that point there's a check in his spirit and he says, but if I'd spoken like that, I would have somehow let down the next generation because he knew God's good. 
And he knows God's just. So he pauses and he says, right. So I tried to work it out. I tried, but as I tried, and I love how the message puts it, when I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache. (laughs) Oh, man. When I tried to figure it out, all I got was a splitting headache until I entered the sanctuary of God. And then I saw the whole picture. Until I entered his presence. And that was the moment when everything became clear and my perspective changed. And for the psalmist, it was the realisation that, you know what? God will fully bring the wicked and wickedness to justice. The final destination isn't paradise, but destruction. The power found in greed and violence and oppression, real as it is now, is only ever short-lived. It's like slippery ground that leads to ruin, a bad dream that one day will disappear. God is the judge, and hear this, friends, before whom all will stand, and he will see justice done. The liar will be silenced and disempowered. The strong brought low, the arrogant humbled, the scoffer silenced. There is a judge over heaven and earth, and he is good, and he is right, and he is just, and he will see that all is made right. His vision had been blurry, but now it is as if it became clear in God's presence. One of the most amazing things, the joys I've seen on people's face, and some of you here will think, oh, he's talking about me, and yes, I am, is for folks that have had a cataracts operation. Honestly, I didn't realise it's one of the secret joys of being a minister. You get folks every now and then come up to you, often more elderly folks that have had cataracts for maybe many years, and they come up and they say, wow, Matt, this is amazing. I can see so beautifully now. That over there, I can read it to you. The colours are just amazing. And I love celebrating that moment with folks. I'm like, yes! It's so good. But you know, as followers of Jesus, it's like he wants to take the cataracts off our eyes too, spiritually. That we might see the truth. We might see him as he is. We might see his justice, his goodness, his love, his plan for the world and for the future. His plan for us that we may not be disheartened and we may not lose heart. And we don't realise how blurry our vision has been until we come into the presence of God as we've done this morning and as we're doing right now. The presence of God is not just in our sun worship. He is with us even now as I speak. Sure, these are my words, but the Lord will be speaking through me, not because I'm great, because he's the Lord who wants to speak. What's he saying? You know, we realise we've been believing a lie, a lie that God owes me something, a lie that I'm somehow not remembered or loved, a lie that says following Jesus doesn't change anything or that God obviously doesn't care about injustice or he'd do something about it. And it's in the presence of God we realise we've been drinking the wrong water. We've been drinking the same water that causes us despair when we look around the world, a water of envy and violence and pride. We've been lapping it up without realising it. And Jesus would say, it's enough now, enough. And as we heard last week and again this morning, he's inviting us to press deeper into him. Jesus calling us to draw near to him and drink of his living water in his presence. We are his people, folks. We are the sheep of his pasture. He is our Lord and our shepherd. And he offers us the water we will drink, the the water of his truth and his presence, of his love, of his grace, of his forgiveness. We 
here in his presence, the authority in his voice and the compassion in his voice when he says, I am God, I am just, you can trust me. He begins to clear our eyes and remind us that he is with us. I am not slow, God says, but patient, wanting all to find repentance in me. And he says to us, I know the pain and injustice. I see the violence. I know too well how much it hurts. And he would take our hand and he would draw our gaze to the cross. And as we look at the cross in the presence of God, we realise that this is the place where everything comes into true perspective. Before the cross, friends, we see that this is the place of perfect justice. We see that all demands for justice are met in this place. As God himself steps down and willingly takes the burden and cost of it all, such is God's heart and love for you and me and for this world. And such is his stand against injustice and violence and sin. It is not without consequence or meaning. This stuff has eternal consequences that must be answered to because of his love and because of his justice we find that the perfect one, the holy one chose to take it all on himself and deal with the consequences and deal with the weight of it and take all the blame and the violence and the lies and the scoffing and the mocking and the pride and the sin he takes it on himself on the cross and he pays the cost Jesus' blood was not cheap It's not messing around, it's not a little foot in the water and seeing if I can do a rescue plan. This is it, this is enormous, this is world changing. The Holy One shed his blood for me and for you and for this world. And we realise the weight and the cost of sin and we realise that one day all will stand before him and face judgement but those that have trusted in Jesus and Jesus alone will realise that they're not condemned, but they're invited into eternal and wonderful and beautiful relationship and freedom and celebration with God. At the cross we see that evil, I'm going to rattle through these, does not have the final say. The mocker doesn't have the last laugh. It seemed at the cross that even God had been overcome by the enemy, by death itself. But at the cross we actually see the greatest victory ever won. Death simply cannot hold the author of life. I love that. Well done death, nice try, doesn't work. He's the author of life. He busts death apart and he reigns unchallenged forevermore. At the cross we see that they who lord it over folks now will not lord it over eternity. Only one person does and that is Jesus the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the risen King. And at the cross, we see that all the wickedness and domination will be dealt with and has been dealt with and one day will disappear like a dream that's now gone as every tear is wiped from our eyes. At the cross, we see that he that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. We see death itself defeated. The king has set his people free and we are lifted into praise and celebration of Jesus just as he's inviting us to do. But friends, I want to say that at the cross we are also brought down to our knees in humility and trust 
In the presence of the Lord, the psalmist realises, when my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and I was ignorant. I was a brute beast before you. And as we see Jesus suffering on that cross, friends, we realise that God owes me nothing. Just hear that. God owes me nothing. When we see God on the cross taking everything for me, And we realise those words are completely and utterly true. God is good to those who follow him and put their trust in him. He is more than good. He is so, so, so good that he went to that place for us. So often we can drink the wrong water. At the cross we see the bitterness we've been drinking and we throw the cup down in repentance and we say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. In your presence, we now receive your living water, Jesus. Water of your compassion, your goodness, your love, your humility, your authority, your lordship, your kingship. Water of faith and deep, deep trust, realising that we don't have all the answers, but we know the one who does, realising that one day every tear will be wiped from our eyes, that he's making all things new, And until that day we realise we can trust him. I don't really have time just thinking where to land this. You know, um, I did a funeral this week, Daniel Morgan's funeral. It was a privilege to do, actually. Not an easy one. And there are lots of questions. Why Dan had to die. He was young, really, in his 40s. And one of the things I did is at the creme there is a little gravestone and it's the gravestone, and forgive me, I don't often share this, of my twin brother. So I had a twin brother. Um, I'm supposed to be a twin. I imagine two of me, I know. Um, <laughs> he died at 11 weeks. And so I went and I stood there and looked at this sweet little grave that said Benjamin Bradley on it. And I prayed and I considered and I... I spoke to mum about it later on, either that day or the next day, and she shared some of the grief and the journey. I can't imagine what it would have been like for her. And uh, she said how the words of Job brought such comfort that the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. And in that statement, there is such questioning and such, what do you mean? Why would the Lord take a little baby. What's going on there? Why would he let that happen? But also there is such comfort and such trust in that words that somehow we can still trust that he's on the throne, that he is loving and he is good. And it is he who has our days numbered in his hands. He holds my life and he holds yours wherever you're at, however long you've got left or I've got left. It is in our Father's hands and we can trust him. Do you know, on the little grave it says, suffer little children to come unto me. And you know that's from the bit where the disciples said, no, 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 get away from Jesus. And Jesus said, no, let them come, don't hinder them. For such is the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And the challenge Jesus then gives to all of us is, with all our big questions and all our struggles, will we come like a child to him? Will we ultimately say, I trust you, Jesus. I trust you, Father, with my life, with all this confusion, all this difficulty. And the psalm finishes, and I must finish, with one of the most beautiful 
and amazing depictions of what it is to be loved by God and to love God all the days of our life. There's a lot of sentimentality that goes around in the world and it's all well-meaning and lovely. But you know what? The finish of this psalm is as powerful as it is sentimental. It is as true as anything you will ever hear. It is a picture and a vision that clears everything for us and helps us realise it is what May was saying so faithfully to us and preaching this sermon before I even got to this point that every day of our lives we can know our hand in his. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. He loves us so much. He calls us to be like a child holding on to a father's hand. That hand brings guidance and reassurance, and protection, and closeness. And he says, I will not let your foot slip. If you don't know what it is to have your hand in the hand of Father God's every step of your life, then this morning I invite you to do something about it. He is calling you. His hand is there waiting. Will you come? Will you accept what my son has done for you on that cross? And will you, will you hand over control to me? Will you put your hand in mine? and receive my forgiveness and my new life and my hope. And this is the beginning of a journey. Every step of the way from now on, I will be with you. He will not let your foot slip. And I want to say this is my final thing here, folks. And when our hand is in God's hand, and we're walking through this life, he does something different, something new that without a hand in his, we could never truly understand. At this point, he says, now look again at the world and see the injustice and see the pain. And this time, instead of being angry with God, we realise his heart is breaking and we feel the same. And he says to us, now will you come and do something about it with me? I'm calling you. Will you come and look after and love the poor and the broken and the oppressed? Will you come and share with others my love and my Father's heart? Will you tell them about Jesus? Because I've filled you with my spirit that you might bring my love and my presence and my compassion and see my kingdom come. Will you pray, Lord, let your kingdom come and then will you act? Will you step out? as we go deeper with Father God, with Jesus, as we invite more of the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives, he will call us out in compassion to reach his hurting world with his love and his presence and see lives and communities and families transformed. It's what Father is calling us into each one of us. So let me finish there. Can I invite the band to come up? Um, And as they do, I want you to take a moment now. I want to invite you to take time to respond. What has God said to you? What has Father been saying to you this morning? A time to receive. A time maybe to repent and to throw down the waters of bitterness and to drink deeply of the life-giving waters of Jesus time of fresh commitment and renewal realising God's calling you to more more in your relationship with him more trust, deeper faith more of his love and his joy and his father's heart revealed to you I want you to close your eyes for a moment I want you to picture yourself 
holding Father God's hand. This isn't sentimentality. This is an invitation from Father God to understand what it is to walk with him each day of your life. It's a safe hand. It's a kind hand. You know, hands have become quite a thing with this coronavirus. They've become a representative of something evil that somehow we might pass something bad on. This is a hand that will never, ever pass anything bad on to you. This is a hand you can trust fully, a hand that will guide you and never let you down, never let your foot slip. And let me read these words of the psalmist over you now and receive them for today. Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward you will take me into glory. Friends, each one of us one day will be facing our final day of our walk on this earth. In this life now. But I want you to picture his hand with you there. He will not let your foot slip. He will take you into glory until the day where he makes all things new again, heaven and earth renewed. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. May this be your words. As for me... It is good to be near God. I have made the sovereign Lord my refuge and I will tell of all your deeds. Let's just pray together, shall we? Heavenly Father, thank you for your invitation to each one of us this morning to place our little hand into your safe hand and to go deeper in relationship with you to trust you more fully like a child to love you more deeply and more truly thank you for your provision Father for us thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit with us pray you would increase your presence with each one of us in this moment now and in this week and this season ahead. We want to thank you for Jesus, your son. We want to thank you for the cross where everything becomes clear. And we want to thank you, Lord, for the difficult and challenging invitation you give us to come and share your love and compassion and justice in this world. It takes a strong kind of person to stand up to injustice and power. But Lord, with you and your Holy Spirit, we will follow you. Lead on, Father God, and we will trust you. Give us hearts of compassion and we will love others and see you bring them into your kingdom and your family. And so, Father, now, for those who've never made this commitment, I pray that they may move from head to heart now And pray this prayer along with me. And friends, if you love Jesus, you can pray it in your heart as well. Lord Jesus, thank you for the cross. Lord Jesus, thank you that you died in my place 
and took all of my sin and shame. Lord Jesus, thank you that you rose again and conquered death and you are King and Lord. Be Lord and King in my life. Come and pour your Holy Spirit into my heart now, I pray. I give my life to you, Lord. I place my hand in yours and I say, lead on. Lead on. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.